The mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, is doubling down on her decision to not accept any one-to-one -one interviews with white reporters. Now, what kind of Pandora box, the same one that I've been trying to close for the past 60 years, has she just opened? I'm Ismael Pai Civico, and this is The Civic Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome again. So again today I, I want to bring up a bit what has been happening in Chicago in the United States following uh, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, that she basically said two months ago following the two-year anniversary uh, of her mayorship that she would only be accepting one-to-one -one interviews with, with people of colour. So no white reporters uh, essentially and her main critique for this or her main argument for this was that the team of reporters covering mainly the city hall uh, news or people with the public figures or political figures in Chicago themselves are overwhelmingly white. So around 70% of those reporters are white. Um, and she described it as there's too much whiteness and maleness inside the team of, of reporters. And I, and I want to a bit dig into that uh, because I think she opened the Pandora box that we thought was closed for, for the past 40, 50 years. Uh, no, even more, okay, 60 years um, in the United States. But again, uh, we're going down a really, really muddy road, and if this same idea or these, this same mentality is applied to other spaces, um, it's a really, really dark road that humanity is going to take, and that's it, 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 it really isn't a nice road. It really isn't a nice road, and we've seen it enough throughout the 20th century where racial segregation can take you too, because it always starts more, and then it starts building up towards the end, and the end, unfortunately, are very, very, very dark places where, for example, in Nazi Germany, it didn't start the first day by killing Jews. Uh, it started at the first day by not letting Jews inside shops, not letting Jews go in inside specific areas, um, using the fact that they could associate with whatever they want. So again, using uh, the freedom of association argument, saying I can associate with whoever I want, and Jews are not inside that category, right? Again, I'm not doing a perfect translation or a perfect analogy on what's happening in Chicago with Nazi Germany in itself. I just think it's it's, it's, it's important to, to remember a bit certain arguments that were used at certain points in history to understand where those arguments took a specific community um, or a specific culture or a specific country or whatever geographical circumscription you're willing to give to, to any social issues you may encounter. So that, that's basically her whole argument, that she thought that more people of colour should be represented uh, in the reporting of the, 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 the town hall news, let's say, of the mayorship in Chicago, because 70% of them are white, and this is following a majority of people of colour in Chicago. So just to give you a bit of context on what are the actual numbers uh, racially based in Chicago, let's say, which I'm not entirely sure still why the United States keeps these numbers. It's very difficult to find those in uh, in Europe, actually. We're, we're, people don't really keep track of of the skin color of people, especially in, in public administrations, but it does happen quite a, bit in, quite a bit in the United States. So to give you into context, Chicago is composed of around 31.6% of white people, 32.4% of black people, 28.9% of Hispanic people, 5.4% of Asian people, and then the rest are a bit of everything else. So, so very small percentages. So then again, white people actually in Chicago are a minority uh, within 
within that city, the, the vast majority are mainly black and Hispanic. Uh, and if you divide in between them, the majority is black, right? Um, so 34, 32.4% of black people. And the whole argument is that how come you having less white people, they get these positions um, in higher proportions, right? So, so you don't really achieve that. You don't have that equity. So if you want to have perfect equity in this, that would mean that the team of reporters should be composed of, excuse me, 31.6% of, of white people. The team of reporters, so you have that in the demographic, you have these numbers that I just said right now in that basic demographic of people. And then in every single other structure, you're supposed to have those exact same numbers representing exactly the demographic that they represent or, or their identity, let's say, their, their, their skin color in this specific case. Um, which again is a whole claim of equity is that if you have an unequal outcome, that there surely has to be an um, an inherent, let's say, or, or or a basis of inequality of opportunity. So not everyone's getting the same opportunity to get to that because if they did, they would arrive to that same um, conclusion. My, my, my whole idea with this because people are trying to juggle with equality of outcome and diversity in itself. And I don't see how these two actually do come together. I do think there are, there are they are mutually exclusive. Um, can't go together because if you take the claim that we're all diverse, we're all different, that would mean that every single person actually has different interests, has different opinions, has a different culture, um, likes different things, uh, chooses different routes of education, right? So so if, if, if you believe in this basis of diversity, that every single human being is diverse in their own way, following their own education, their own culture, and everything I just stated, just before that they will not arrive to the same outcome because of course it's it's basically impossible, right? And and again, this is just another quota imposed with I've spoken about quotas and the main idea behind quotas is that who actually has the right to a quota? Because then if you do it for one group, you have to for every single other group inside the intersectional equation and that's firstly pragmatically impossible. Um, and secondly, how is it fair um, in a way? because then maybe you won't find people in specific groups that are interested in those positions, or maybe you're gonna find some people at some specific spaces that aren't going to get allowed to enter that space because of their identity, whether that may be based on gender, sexual orientation, race, or what have you, okay? So there's the whole idea behind the equality of outcome. The, 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 the outcome cannot be predetermined from the beginning because if you start tampering with the outcome, you need to start tampering with the rules of the game. If you start tampering with the rules of the game, you're not actually applying an equal footing for every single person. And again, this whole game of, of equity is they, they want to tamper with the equal footing because they say that not everyone has an equal footing. But I just think is a really disingenuous game people are trying to play without actually starting to see because the, the, the government ha just has a certain amount of power. The government shouldn't be tampering with the outcome in itself. The government should be giving as much as they can, as much as they can with the competence that, with the competences that they actually have to create an equal footing or an equal playing around. Of course, this is uh, utopia. Again, equality opportunity cannot really be achieved perfectly, but the government needs to do whatever it can do to actually apply that on a legal, in a legal framework. So people cannot be discriminated based on immutable characteristics that might be race, gender, or sexual orientation, or what have you again. So the, the outcome in itself cannot be tampered with. And this is a bit what Laurie Lightfoot wants to do. She wants to tamper, uh, tamper a bit with the outcome in itself, not allowing white people to interview her following her two-year mandate in itself. 
And this all, of course, it's all in the name of BLM. It's all in the name of, of racial equality and all of that. But I find it a bit, I say, incoherent from her uh, specifically because, again, there has been enormous rise in crime, in violent crime in Chicago, like there has been in many of the major uh, American cities now in 2021. So there has been a rise of 33% in homicides and shootings in Chicago following 2019 numbers. So of course, we're not going to take a 2020 number because throughout that COVID year, um, it really won't be fair. You can't really compare these two years because 2020 was a very, very extraordinary year in lots of different ways. So this is a comparison with 2019 at this same time of year. There has been a spike in in 33% of that. While some other sorts of of criminality have been decreasing in a way, the criminality that mainly affects black communities, which is shootings, uh, and homicides are actually on the rise. So I'm not entirely sure what she is doing in order to help the black community in her own city, um, because those are really the people that are living these policies. Those are the people that are actually being affected by this rising criminality is, is people living in these neighborhoods that are not receiving the institutional aid that they should receive in order to stay safe in their own streets or in their own homes. So that's why I find it a bit incoherent from her part is she's addressing specific issues that in the end is not the most important one um, in her town at the moment. I think firstly you should you should make sure that people are not killing each other in your town and that of course these these groups of people, specifically people of colour that you're saying you want to protect, in the end you're not really protecting them whatsoever. So that's something to take into into account. And, and I think this also comes to a bit with the claim of the freedom of association so that people basically can decide who they want to associate with, what kind of membership criteria they're willing to apply to some specific people. Sorry if you're hearing my dog walk, but he just woke up. Anyway, I think every single episode he needs to walk somewhere to do something. Um, so the freedom of association issue, uh, this had to be completely changed following the Civil Rights Act in 1968 because of course people were using that same claim in order to racially segregate people like it happened throughout Jim Crow, right? So so I think we need to be very careful when 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 we're speaking about the law, especially when it comes to freedom of association. Because I think this happened a year ago, a couple of years ago, that the baker didn't want to bake a cake for, for, for a gay couple. And then some people, especially on the right, which is, I just saw it was, it was completely abhorrent, um, that they were saying, well, they have the right to, to not do that. It's a, it's a private company. Uh, they're a private entity. They have the right not to not to serve anyone if they don't want to. The, the only issue is at this point that they, um, that the only fact is that they were gay right which which i think was completely wrong on their part but then again that that rose actually to the discussion to what point is freedom of association actually justified and uh so that's in the private sphere which i think has its own conversation when it comes to freedom of association um and but i do think government at that point should actually um meddle a bit more with the private lives of citizens in that regard because i don't think anyone specifically when it comes to to a service they are providing to the public. So if, if, if you're a private shop, let's say you're offering a service to everyone, to the citizens, to the people that want to come inside your shop and purchase something, uh, purchase a good or a service that you may want to give them through your company. And they actually should be some meddling or at least some specific actions taken from the government that no one should be actually racially segregated uh, in that space. It happened here in Brussels also actually with a, with a bar recently that apparently there is enough there's enough evidence saying that they were not letting people inside that bar because they were black and uh, the bar 
well, the, the, the terrorist in this case was using the argument that no, it's because they weren't actually well dressed. Um, so it's a bit difficult because, for example, if you go to speak, if you go to eat at a very nice restaurant, you can't go to that very nice restaurant um, badly dressed, right? You can't go there or scruffy or in your pajamas or looking like you just woke up. That's not really, and people actually do have the right to not let anyone in their establishment that they don't want to let in. But I think the the, the point where, where this goes wrong is when you start not letting people in based on immutable characteristics that they may possess. So for example, gender or or, or skin color or sexual orientation. And, and, and I think that really where the freedom association goes wrong. And but that's mainly in the private sphere. So I do think the government should actually take some take some measures in order to prevent that so that doesn't actually happen. But again, it's not as easy as it sounds. But the, the only issue is that this freedom association shouldn't be held or shouldn't be used in the same way in the, in the public sphere, right? Because again, these are public officials, elected public officials that do need to answer to the population that they are representing or the population that they elected, uh, sorry, that the population elected them, that they got elected by that population. So using taxpayer money, basically, also with white people that also paid at taxes, and now they're being told that they're being racially segregated from from that part of the press. So the, the white reporters cannot actually have a one-on-one -on -one interview. And then again, why did I say she doubled down? It's because she actually reasserted her claim, saying that she would do it again. So even though after the hard criticism, she still stands by her point that she would do it again, and she would not accept any interviews from white reporters. And this is a really opening the Pandora box, giving again the same claim that people were doing throughout the Jim Crow era uh, of freedom of association, saying that if I don't want to associate with a person from a specific color, that is my own freedom to do so. Uh, again, I don't think in the private sphere and the public sphere should be held to the same scrutiny. The public sphere should be held to even higher level of standards than the private sphere. And this is not acceptable in the public sphere, nor it is either in the private one. Um, but, 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 but when it comes to really putting your foot down and knowing what is wrong and what is right in the public sphere, we should be a lot more, not, not, not as tolerant with these kind of policies, let's say, because again, I would say, just imagine this happened with people with other sorts of identities. So they said, okay, uh, someone, a, a, a white, a white Republican in Texas says now, I will not be accepting any one-to-one -one interviews with, with a black person. Right, or I will not be accepting one-to-one uh, -one interviews with a gay person, or I will not be accepting one-to-one -one interviews with a woman. Um, and this is really the Pandora box that we were hoping that was never going to be opened again since the Civil Rights Act of 1968. This was something um, that we were hoping that won't happen. And now people that were actually defending Laurie Lightfoot, you really wanna see now what kind of route they're starting to take um with these things is that now for them it is actually acceptable to again differentiate people based on their skin color maybe saying that they're not as good reporters as other people or or for any other kind of argument you should have but in my opinion racial segregation has no justification whatsoever you, you, you can have other sorts of of discriminations for example because again i would like to do an episode about discrimination where um when it comes to for example sports you need 
gender discrimination and age discrimination in sports because you can't have a a, a, a a football team aged 12 play against a football team aged 22. That is just not going to work out, right? Or, or, or you can't have in basketball a group of men play against a group of women. That is not how it's going to go. And of course, this this actual gender discrimination did help indeed for women's sports to, to prosper, let's say, and, and keep advancing um, for women to have the opportunity to actually play in in these sports at higher levels, whether it's local, regional, or national level, or international levels, as a as a matter of fact. So we can see now that not all races are treated the same, and that is really a big issue. Um, people are going to use the same arguments that Laurie Lightfoot did, and the basic argument is because you find a an, an equal outcome about something. So, for so imagine now actually there there is a a majority of black people. Uh, in the group of reporters, maybe in 20 years or 30 years, people will say, okay, well, Laurie Lightfoot did it with white people at the time, um, so I'm going to do that with black people because there are a majority of reporters there. And the whole issue is that, again, the, uh, an unequal outcome doesn't necessarily mean there was an inequality inside that opportunity themselves. It can be a million and one different factors of why you have that sort of inequality, but we shouldn't always assume the worst. We should actually lay out the different factors that may actually influence this specific outcome that we have and study them and understand what we can actually improve while keeping that equal fairness or that same that same level um of of, of opportunity for every single person um and i think that's why i'm extremely worried with this because i do think it's going to keep happening uh, and that can maybe actually happen in europe now because everything that happens in the united states uh, a few months later or a few years later gets perfectly translated to Europe and it will happen here. I won't see it, I don't think it will happen all around Europe. Of course, it's so diverse, different countries, different cultures, different politics, different economic systems. But I can see that. I personally do think that's a possibility here in Brussels. I think here in Brussels, there's actually a possibility that people use that same argument that Laurie Lightfoot used, uh, which I think is a really, really bad route to go down. And and yes, and that, I, I really I really don't want us to go back to the to, to the era where uh, racial segregation, regardless of the color of that person, is is justified by by any single way. Because I mean, that same argument that she's using could be used by other people on the extreme right. It's it's perfect. It's perfectly plausible. Um, and of course, you should be, you should actually have the same standards. You can't be hypocritical about it. Why, when someone does it to the left, it's okay. But when someone does it to the right, it's specifically bad. They're both bad. It's not justified at whatever specific moment in time. It just can't be. Because if you go down that really dark road, we know where that ends. We know where that ends. And I really do hope people... I really do hope it does, it does not get to that. And I think we, need to, we have to call it out when it happens and, and discuss it and see what is actually the best way. So we're at, we can progress let's say with the equality with the equality opportunity that we actually are trying to achieve because of course there are still inequalities opportunity there are still um but the actual way to get to those is a bit more difficult that it might seem at the beginning it's not just by imposing quotas or or pulling other people down that you lift other people up um it needs to be a deeper conversation let's say and see what can that what can the government do in order to create equal policies for every single human being regardless of their identity, let's say, or their superficial identity, because for me, identity is something a lot deeper than just what you look like or what you have between your legs or or, or the amount of melanin in your skin, or skin pigmentation or whatever. I think it's a lot deeper than that when it comes to the 
um, to the identity of each person. And I'm gonna close this with one of my favorite quotes from Mark, well, from all time basically, and I think is the best quote to actually uh, define this is one that Martin Luther King, I, I'm sure people remember Martin Luther King, right? That, that, that guy that fought uh, his whole life, that died fighting for, for equal rights for black people, um, the main, well, for the civil rights movement, right? In the 60s uh, in the United States, I think you remember him. Well, he said something of the sort like, well, it's his all I have a dream speech that I wish a day will come where people were no longer judged by the color of the skin, but by the content of their character. And I don't think that nowadays we're going down that route. I think nowadays we're going exactly in the opposite route that Martin Luther King actually did uh, visualize for the future of the country and for the future of humanity in itself. And I think we should really think twice when these things happen and call them out when they do. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Remember, you can always follow us on Instagram, thecivic.space or at thecivic.space or visit our website, which is www.thecivicspace.org where you have articles. You can find all the podcasts on there and listen to them to your favorite, on your favorite RSS feed, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, and there should be something else. But those are the main ones where I know there's no issues at all listening to this podcast where we have it twice a week, once on Tuesdays and then another time on Thursdays. And then I'm hoping that bit by bit I'll be able to bring guests here actually to have deeper discussions and longer discussions about issues that our society is facing um, on the weekends. So stay tuned, of course, for more episodes. And if you want to contact us for whatever reason, if there's a story you would like me to cover specifically on this podcast, something me to comment or to speak about with someone else, or even if just interested in our overall work, feel free to send us an email to contact at thecivicspace.org. I'm Ismail Pai Civico, and this was The Civic Podcast.